You're listening to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund podcast. This podcast is part of the CBLDF's ongoing education mission, and it's produced and edited by me, your host for this episode, Alex Cox. This month, we're interviewing Sarah Glidden, who's a cartoonist and journalist whose most recent book, Rolling Blackouts, was published by Drawn and Quarterly. Her first book, How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less, has just been reprinted by Drawn and Quarterly as well. Miss Glidden is also a frequent contributor to the Nib, and I encourage everyone to check out her work wherever you can find it. It is thoughtful and intelligent and beautifully illustrated. With that said, on with the interview. I heard a birdie sing. So sweet, so sweet. Um, my name is Sarah Glidden. I am a cartoonist now living in Seattle, Washington. And my most recent book is Rolling Blackouts, which is published by Drawn and Quarterly. Um, they also recently republished um, How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less, which is my first book. And I do a lot of short nonfiction comics. Um, and those are what I'm working on now. Do you want to walk uh, walk me through what Rolling Blackouts is about? Because it's uh, pretty interesting. Sure. Um, so the idea from for Rolling Blackouts came when I was still working on my first book, and some friends of mine um, who were living in New York at the time, but now then moved back to Seattle, started a nonprofit journalism collective, and they were mostly based in Seattle. Um, but then they also get funding to do reporting um, internationally. So they, would, they went to East Africa to report on water scarcity, for example, and they went to Pakistan to report on education. And so I would come visit them in Seattle and ask them a lot of questions about all of these, all of their reporting, like, because seeing them starting to do this work made me realize that I didn't really know much about how journalism works. I didn't know what happened behind the scenes, like really simple things, like how do you find a story? How do you work with translators? So when they started doing this work, I was really curious and I was asking them tons of questions. And then eventually I just asked them, you know, what if I came with you guys on one of your international reporting trips and I could do a comic book about how journalism works? Um, Because, you know, if I have questions about this and probably... Many other people have questions about it, too. So that's um, where the idea for the project came up. And we basically waited until the timing was right. Um, right when I finished my first book, actually the day that it was being published, um, I was on a plane with them to Turkey. And our plan was to go from Turkey to northern Iraq and then to Syria to report on Iraqi refugees and just displacement in general from the war on terror. So this was late 2010, very different time for that region than what we're seeing now. Um, But yeah, so rolling blackouts kind of follows their reporting um, and the people that they're reporting on. And, you know, I have a lot of conversations with them about how journalism works and, you know, what are the kind of ethical um, dilemmas that they come up against uh, and then there's also a subplot. Um, there's a lot of a lot of subplots, I guess. But um, one of the reporters, uh, whose name is also Sarah, invited along a childhood friend of hers who ended up joining the Marines, and he went and fought in Iraq. So she brought him with us um, so that he could kind of go back to Iraq as a civilian and meet Iraqis and kind of see what the other side of this war was like. Um, 
And so that's part of the book is her interviewing him about being back in Iraq and how he feels about his service. Um, yeah, that's basically it. It's it's a cool book, but I don't know. I, I guess I should let you answer this. Would you consider this more a memoir or a piece of journalism or a mix of both? It, it, it kind of straddles that line a little, I guess. Well, it's not really a memoir because it's not really about me at all. I'm a character in the book, but it's not about, you know, my experience. It's just, I'm just there kind of as like a guide. Let me say, um, let's say a first so, person account. Sure. First person account. Well, you know, a lot of journalism <laughs> these days is first person accounts. Sure. Um, it's kind of a trend in narrative journalism for the past, you know, 20 or 30 years to have a more, you know, narrative and immersive um, kind of reportage where the journalist is often a character in the story. Um, and to me, that kind of, I like that kind of journalism. It's the kind of journalism I've always been attracted to and would like reading. Um, because to me, there's like another layer of honesty there. Um, just acknowledging that as the journalist, you are part of the story, you are influencing, um, the people who you're talking to, um, and that you, you know, you are there, you exist. You're not just some kind, you're not a drone who's <laughs> just like floating over the scene watching, um, you're a person interacting with your subjects. Um, so this is a kind of meta journalism, <laughs> right. uh, work i guess um, i mean i guess the question is what is the was the intent to be a work of journalism or more a, a work about journalism does that make more sense yeah i guess it was both um you know it's a work of journalism about journalism so that works yeah <laughs> <laughs> i you know there's because it's comics too it might be there's an intimacy to comics it, it might seem more um like more of a personal work just by the by the comicness yeah, of that. it. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about your first book? Okay. What do you want to know? I want <laughs> to know. I, I'm a big fan of the first book. Um, and I remember it really enjoying the mini comics when they came out. Maybe start with where you decided to actually like put that together as a, as a work of literature. Yeah. Well, I had kind of recent, I, so I started making comics when I was 26. Um, so 2006. And I basically started by making journal comics, you know, kind of James Kachalka inspired daily comics just to kind of practice um, using comics as a form of storytelling. And, you know, I started really liking it and it became something that I wanted to do. So I wanted to have a larger project to work on. And I wasn't really sure what I could do. Like I was kind of flirting with some um, fiction, some historical fiction ideas. Um, but then my mom... <laughs> My mom and I were talking about Israel, as we do sometimes, and arguing about it. And, you know, it was the political situation in Israel and Palestine is something that, you know, has always really, like, horrified and frustrated me. And, you know, as a kind of secular Jewish American, um, you feel like you're just supposed to be involved with this or have an opinion, one, like you have no choice. You're just kind of, okay, you're Jewish. You need to think something about Israel. So we were arguing about it. We vary a little bit in our opinions about it. And she said, you know, why don't you go on one of those birthright Israel trips and see it for yourself? So birthright is a program that sends young Jewish people between the ages of like 18 and 27 on this 10 day, all expenses paid 
trip to Israel. And I had known about this for a while, but I'd never wanted to go because, you know, obviously if it's, if it's a free trip, you know, they're trying to sell you the country. They want you to build a relationship with it. You know, I was like, I'm not going on this propaganda trip, like not interesting to me. But now that I had started doing comics and she suggested that like this kind of light bulb went off. I was like, Hey, like maybe I'll go on the trip after all, but I'll make comics about it. So it'll kind of be like an extension of the journal comics, but you know, on this weird trip where they're going to, you know, be telling me all this stuff and trying to create some loyalty with me in this country. Um, so I signed up and, you know, I wasn't really sure what I expected the book to look like, or I wasn't even thinking about it as a book, I guess. I was more just, I'll just serialize this as mini comics. Um, and then after doing two issues of that, it got picked up by Vertigo, which was a surprise to me as much as it was to anybody else. Um, and so then that's how it became a book. They, you know, I stopped doing the mini comics and we just released it as a graphic novel, um, graphic memoir, I guess. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, but it's like, yeah, like you said, it's a very personal story. It's, you know, from my point of view going on this trip and like the emotions involved with that and kind of weighing, you know, what I was learning and feeling with the, with like the fear that I was being manipulated by this organization and, um, you know, uh, talking to different people. So yeah, it was, it was a long time ago now. It was like 10 years ago. Um, I wanted to circle back to the first book because I was interested in the difference in response between the two projects. I know that the first book, there was some mild controversy among people that thought that you were, uh, that, that disagreed with your kind of ultimate conclusions, which is odd because they were super fair. And, and <laughs> I don't know that there was a conclusion per se. I mean, it, it was just a very kind of thoughtful response to all the different, um, perspectives that you came across, but it still seemed to upset some folks. I guess so. I mean, I feel like a lot of my work comes down to the conclusion that things are more complicated than they seem and that, you know, things aren't black and white. There's a lot of gray areas um, and that it's really hard to, you know, talk about morality in complex geopolitical issues. There's like, a lot of actors involved and there's, you know, a lot of people with valid concerns and, you know, those concerns get like twisted around um, through politics or through racism or through, you know, what have you. And like, you know, all I think that I'm trying to do with a lot of this stuff is kind of acknowledge that different people think different things. Right. Um, and sometimes that, you know, can be perceived as being wishy-washy and not taking a stand on what's right and wrong. Um, and I get that, you know, like, especially right now with everything going on with Trump, you know, there, I think people really want to be told what's right and wrong and they want to feel like they can identify those things somewhere. Um, and I don't know, I, I just don't feel that way. Like there's definitely things, place things where I do feel very strongly like this is absolutely wrong or this is absolutely the right way to go. But um, I, I don't know if it's my like 
if it's my job to tell people what those answers are. Um, So a lot of times in my work, you know, there isn't, you're not going to come to the end and like, there's going to be some conclusion there, like in conclusion, this is the right way to think about this issue and everything else is wrong. Um, Because I just, I don't feel like it's my duty to tell people that, um, or that, you know, I'm just some person, like, what do I know? I guess the conclusion at the end of how to understand Israel was that you were maybe even more, you you realized it was even more complicated than when you left. Uh, So conclusion might be a, a bad way to put it. So, and you know, I question that part of myself also, you know, like, you can just get into big spirals of, of self-doubt, but, um, you know, I, I sometimes question, like, is it okay to have, like, you know, to be sitting around weighing this and that thing? Like, maybe it is better to just, like, pick a side and, you know, to know what is right and just go for that. I don't think that would make for a very interesting book, though. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh, at least not for me. No. Um, I don't know. I think people, like, you know, I basically I can understand where criticism would come from for that. Um, and maybe, you know, my books aren't for people who don't want to explore things that way. Um, and that's fine. But I like it. And I think a lot of other people appreciate it, too. So I guess I'll keep doing it. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty easy answer. Um, What has the response been so far to rolling blackouts in general? It's been good. Um, It's been good. Like, so far, the most, like, criticism I've gotten is from Germany, because it just got um, translated into German around the same time last year. And there was, like, most of the reviews were good, but there was, like, a couple that were, like, this isn't actually war journalism. If she had wanted to like cover war journalism, she should have embedded with some New York times reporters. And I was like, what? That no one ever said this is supposed to be about war journalism. And, you know, newsflash freelance journalists are actual journalists too. Um, but yeah, for the most part, and you know, I've heard some, um, criticism that like it's boring in parts, which, you know, is probably true because journalism can be boring. It's not as exciting as it seems from the outside, but for the most part I've had, you know, really it's been received fairly well and I'm really happy with it. So So that's a good thing. um, How's the journalism community embraced you? Oh, really? Like, well, I think, um, yeah, no, I've been, uh, you know, a lot of journalists have just, like, I think, see themselves in a lot of the dilemmas that these journalists I followed um, come across. Um, and I think they feel like, oh, yeah, I totally, I've been there. I know what they're talking about. Because it is easy, you know, journalism is super tough. There's a lot of really uncomfortable um, things to maneuver around. And, you know, there's a lot of choices that you have to make that are not exactly neither choice in front of you is great. And so it's easy to criticize journalists, but it's a really, really hard job. So I think for journalists um, who get a lot of flack these days, um, they appreciated some of those um, realities being shown. Yeah, I didn't know if they, I mean, it seems so cliche to say like a love letter to journalism, but it really is kind of like a, 
it, it's it's a real appreciation of of their craft. So I didn't know if they read it and were like, yes, this is great. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> what we always wanted people to uh, to observe about what we're doing. Um, yeah, um, you know, I definitely have heard that from some people. Like, like thank you for thank you for saying that because you know it is a thankless job in a lot of ways. It's it is really hard, and a lot of people end up not liking you very much um, once you're done with your piece or, you know, they don't like how they came across or like they thought they you were going to portray them in a different way. Um, and so it is, uh, it's tough, but it's also, I think, you know, I, I love making journalism. I love doing this stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I did it. Um, what's, what's your background in terms of uh, education or do you have any journalism background or is it fine arts or I don't I took a class um as an undergrad but I went to art school I got a BFA um which I thought was going to be useless for a long time I graduated in 2002 and I was like what have I just done um like I majored in painting um and then when I found comics a bunch of years later it, it all started to make sense like oh yeah this is why I went to art school um but yeah, I, you know, I went to Boston University, um, liberal arts education, I guess. But no, no journalism, no classic journalism training? No. Um, although when I was starting to think about doing this project, I kind of put myself on like on the cram course. I did a lot of reading about, you know, there's bunch of books that you can get on journalism. Uh, and then I came out to Seattle and audited um, Alex Stonehill, he's one of the journalists that we went with. He, they teach a class at the University of Washington. So I sat in on that class um, and, you know, started doing some practice projects on my own. Um, but really that trip was kind of like my journalism school, just being able to watch them work and ask them questions and, you know, and then the process of working on this book and then working on other short projects at the same time while I was working on the book. Um, I think that a lot of journalism is just in practicing it in actually making it. And you're not going to learn how to do interviews without just sitting and doing interviews and, you know, messing them up sometimes and <laughs> leaving the interview and realizing that you haven't asked all the questions that you needed to ask um, and kind of making mistakes. And that's how you become a journalist, I think. So it happened somewhere in those five and a half years I was working on it, but I didn't always feel like a journalist. Sure. Well, I mean, it sounds like you gave yourself a little bit more of an education, like autodidact style, and then you let on at first if you're auditing classes and. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm serious about this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I was really intimidated by it because it's it's a very serious thing to do to like go out there and be have someone else trust you with their story. You know, with like something that happened in their lives or something really personal like that. Like they're giving you their time and they're giving you, um, you know, their story. And so you really want to do it the right way and you don't want to, you know, mess around with that. So for me, it was like a very serious endeavor to be thinking about doing this. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing it the right way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I taught myself how to make comics too. Like it's the same thing. You just like kind of look around and you like, look at other people's work that you like and you think about why you like it and you think about why it works and you know, then you just start doing it. 
I would say that that comics <laughs> might have less uh, of an ethical structure yeah, than journalism. That's true. That's true. What uh, were there any comics that you looked to? Any journalism comics that you were inspired by or looked to, or Jeepers? Anything you'd just recommend? Well, Sasako's very obvious answer. <laughs> I mean, when I started doing this, like there wasn't a lot of other comics journalism around. He was really like you know the master of comics journalism. So definitely him. Um, and I was able to kind of talk to him um, throughout the process of working on this book and kind of get a little bit of feedback on like questions that I had about the whole process. Um, but also like just I'm mostly inspired by other print journalists, just people working not in comics, but um, working in prose. Um, and so like, I don't know, I read Dexter Shulkin's, um book before I went out there and what else was I reading um I don't know a lot of like that was cliche but a lot of like the New Yorker reporting is Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that I would look up to and you know I'd sit down with a New Yorker article like uh, in the magazine and kind of like diagram out like you know which character like I'd name the characters like character A and character B and kind of diagram the article and see like okay so they start with this paragraph that talks about this and you know kind of work backwards and see like how did they make this article like how must they have done the reporting for this um kind of the same way like you know when you're learning to draw you go go to a museum and you like sketch like the great masters and then you can kind of see their thought process a little bit about how to construct the drawing and I think you can do the same thing with with any kind of writing that you like is just look at it and kind of read it over once to get a feel and then read it again and say, okay, what is it that, you know, really works about this? Like, what is it that like puts this information with this character and this setting really seamlessly and makes it a good article? Um, and then how can I try to do that in comics and, you know, also looking at documentary and stuff like that. Um, um, I have two questions yeah. that I probably should have asked earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, uh, timeline wise, when you started rolling blackouts, was this pre nib or had they started yet? Yes, it was pre nib. And actually pretty much right when I got back from this reporting trip. So it was like almost January, 2011. Um, I got an email from Matt Bores. We had never talked before and he was a new editor at this website called the cartoon movement. It's, uh, I think from Denmark. Um, Oh no, it's from the Netherlands. It was this website. It's still there actually, but they were doing a lot of editorial cartoons and they were starting to do more kind of long form comics journalism. And he was a new editor there. And he asked, he knew that I had been in Syria um, and that we had been reporting on Iraqi refugees. And he asked me if I wanted to do an article for a cartoon movement about the Iraqi refugee situation in Syria. Um, And so I said, yes. And, ended up like spending a couple months on that. And that was kind of my first real piece of short form, like long form, short form comics journalism. Um, And then Matt and I have worked together like, you know, pretty consistently since then, you know, then he moved from cartoon movement to the nib and then the nib shut down and then it reopened again. And so, um, yeah, I've been working with him a lot, but really in that time since 2011, you know, there's just been this explosion of comics journalism. Um, the Nib is like a great, 
place for a lot of it, but then there's a lot of other places that are either devoted just to comics journalism or that, you know, are kind of run multimedia stuff or run mostly prose, but also run comics journalism. So um, there's a lot more of it out there, which is really cool. Yeah, it seems like there's been a real explosion of it in the past uh, maybe two years, mm -hmm. three years. Um, the other yeah. question, you, you grew up in Boston, right? In the Boston area? Yeah, Newton. Mm -hmm. were, were you aware of the kind of investigative journalism tradition in the Boston papers there? Yeah, like spotlights. So I was really not a very engaged teenager, I will admit. <laughs> I read the Boston Globe for the comics. Uh-huh. Um, but I really, I had no idea what was going on in the world. Like, you know, I don't remember, like, when you look back at a lot of the stuff that happened in the 90s, I have such vague recollections of what was going on around me. Like, I just didn't, I didn't care. I was just like, you know, cared more about, like, what this friend was, you know, saying about me at school or whatever. Um, basic selfish teenagers. So it wasn't really until um, I was in college and, you know, it's, this sounds cliche, but it was really like when 9-11 happened, I was like, it was like a wake up. I was like, oh, shit, there's a lot of stuff going on that America has is involved in. Like, why? Why are these people mad at us? Like, maybe I should start paying attention to things. And that kind of started like an obsession with, you know, kind of being informed and, and reading a lot and, and listening to a lot of, you know, news radio and stuff like that. But I am really ashamed about how like disengaged I was before that. Just like was not interested. And part of that is because it's hard to just jump in to something complex um, that's going on without feeling like you have a way of getting the your, the context. And I think now with the internet, it's a lot easier. But you know, in the late '90s, you couldn't Google anything. <laughs> like right. you had to like if you suddenly wanted to understand what was you know what was going on with israel palestine for example you had to go out and get a bunch of books you couldn't just like look it up on wikipedia um so yeah it was i think that it really took me until i was in my early 20s to kind of really start paying attention to stuff and yeah for that reason the answer to your question which i just went far away from is yeah no i had no idea that boston was like a center for investigative journalism um I know now, but I didn't really know then. I'm going to take a complete left turn. Um, sure. You are not necessarily shy about your personal political leanings. Do mm -hmm. you consider um, any of the work you're doing activist in nature? I keep getting asked about that. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious because one of the programs that we're doing this year is... Uh, a history of activist comics. And we start in 1900 with uh, the suffragette comics and we move into Mr. Block and go straight up to, um, to resist. I've been eyeballs deep in like in activist comics. A lot of the conversation has been, where's the line between commentary and activism and reportage and, uh, editorialization. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I think that those lines can be really blurry They're and so maybe blurry. more so than people want to admit. Because, you know, there are definitely comics that you could say like, okay, this is definitely an activist political comic. Um, and then there's ones that maybe don't appear to be, but they are, you know. Well, as an I, example, Abortion Eve was done sure. 
as a you know reaction to the Roe versus Wade decision, and it was presented as like an educational comic. But in retrospect, it was definitely activist. So it's from a historical point of view, like looking back at a hundred years of comics, I've had such a hard time trying to delineate like was this like what was the intent of this piece? So I'm just curious yeah. for people who do stuff that steps into the political realm, is there an intent? Is, does it just kind of come out that way because of your own personality and feelings or, you know, it's a complicated well, question. Like it is. It's complicated because, and something that I kind of learned when I started making journalism was that, you know, you can't really go into journalism with an intention to change things. Like when Matt Boris asked me to do that comic on Iraqi refugees, that was, you know, this was my first piece of journalism. I was fresh off of coming home from Syria where there were, you know, close to a million Iraqi refugees um, living in limbo, basically. And to me, it was the most important thing in the world. So I wanted to make a comic that would really inspire people to, you know, call their congressperson and ask them to earmark more money for refugee projects or I really hoped that like, there was an NGO that we interviewed for that piece and like I wanted people to donate money to that NGO like I really thought that it was going to make a difference um and you know it doesn't make a difference like it might help somebody understand something but like that's the most you can hope for really is that people will read it um and you don't really have control over what they do with that information um so that was like a big lesson for me, like, you know, having it come out and be like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to actually change anything. But what matters to me is that like, okay, but I still we talk to these people. It's really important. And really, all you can do is just like, try to get that thing that's important to you out there in the world. Um, and maybe it will have a life after that. And maybe it won't. Um, but, you know, then there are things that are that I do think of as activists. Like I did this fundraising drawing thing for the ACLU right after Trump announced this travel ban. Um, that was basically like, if you donate 50 bucks to the ACLU and then send me your receipt, I will mail you a drawing. Um, and so that was, you know, that was just a call for action. Basically was please donate money to this organization. Um, and I still have drawings to do, by the way, if you're out there <laughs> and I owe you a drawing, it's coming. It just might take a while. <laughs> um, so, you know, that to me is kind of activism, but... I would say that definitely is, know. but that's not necessarily yeah. activism in your work. But that's not like personal. my work. Yeah. You know, I did this comic last summer about Jill Stein. Um, she was the Green Party candidate for president. And that to me was not activism at all. That was just supposed to be a profile of this person who's a politician. Um, but I think that a lot of times when people see, oh, it's a comic about a politician it means that it's going to be, you know, in praise of them or that it's supporting them in some way. There's something like about comics. I think that sometimes it can be hard for people to separate, like this is not going to be some kind of propaganda. This is, you know, just a piece of journalism. Um, so maybe sometimes people see comics and they, they immediately understand that it's going to be some kind of editorializing or opinion, but you know, a lot of times it's not, um, especially with that piece, it was not supposed to be. Well, I think people have been um, trained by editorial yeah. cartooning for the past, yeah. you know, 150 mm -hmm. years or whatever, um, yeah. which is fair. Yeah, definitely. 
what what are you working on going forward? What are your interests and, and what are your passions uh, with the next project? So I've been thinking a lot about climate change. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be in Norway in a couple weeks and I'm going to be doing some reporting there on um, the oil industry in Norway. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. Um, so I'm going to be making a comic about that. And I'm thinking about doing a book length project um, but it has to be something a little bit more focused than just climate change in general, because that is like the biggest <laughs> giantest topic. Um, so, but I, you know, I think it's really important. It's something that like motivates me to, to keep working on it. Um, so I'm in like the planning stages of something like that right now, but I have some other ideas. Um, but right now I'm just going to do this article about Norway and then see where it goes from there. Where is the article going to be published? I think the nib. Okay. In general, your short yes, form yes. reporting is at the is at the nib for the most part. Yeah. Well, they keep asking me to do stuff, and so I keep doing it. Um, That's not a judgment. Yeah. That's a perfectly great place for stuff to show up. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. site. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're putting out a lot of good work, and like you know, I'm glad that they're paying cartoonists to to do this stuff. I am. So that's too. really great. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. Well, thank you for, for doing this. Well, thanks, Alex. No, oh, thank you. This was great. I want to thank Sarah Glidden once again for taking the time out to talk to us. This podcast is donor-supported, as is all of the work done by the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, and made possible with a grant from the Gaiman Foundation. If you want to learn more about the work and the program of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, please check out cbldf.org, which is updated daily. Or you can follow us on various social media accounts, all of which are under the tag CBLDF. Thank you so much for downloading and or streaming, and we'll be back next month.